Christmas requires a lot of preparation. I mean, you think about all the things that need to be done for Christmas. Decorations need to be put up. Schedules need to be coordinated. Cards need to be sent. Treats need to be made. Gifts need to be purchased and then wrapped and then perhaps hidden. There are so many preparations to go into Christmas. And if you don't prepare in these ways, you're not going to be ready for Christmas. Or at least in the way that Americans typically celebrate Christmas. Even children typically prepare for Christmas, whether it's making projects at school or whether it's writing their wish list or perhaps it's counting down the days to December 25th. I remember back when I was young, part of my preparation for Christmas was gathering snacks and gathering activities into my bedroom because I would wake up so early on Christmas morning that I would have many hours to pass before I could wake up my parents to open the gifts. So I needed something to do. Now, we know a lot about preparing for Christmas in these different ways. But I think we would all recognize that Christmas is not only about the the traditions, the family time, the gifts. Christmas ultimately is about Jesus. And we know how to prepare for all these typical ways that we celebrate and observe Christmas. But how do we prepare for what Jesus wants to do in us? How do we prepare our hearts for Jesus? That's what we are looking at today. I invite you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 1. We are in a series right now where through the month of December, we are walking through the first 18 verses of John chapter 1. And the main theme in these verses is this amazing reality of Christmas that the Creator became part of His creation. The creator became part of his creation. It's a truth that is just mind-blowing when you really try to get your mind around it. But I want to return to that question of how do we prepare for Jesus, especially in terms of what he wants to do in our lives. Because I think if we really thought about it, we'd recognize that the creator did not become a part of his creation simply so we could have some nice meals with family and exchange a few gifts and have a few different traditions. I mean, these things are nice, But surely there's more to the story than just that. And that's what we are looking at today. So I'm going to pray for us, and we'll dive in to John chapter 1. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you came into this world. There are so many blessings that resulted from that, including the fact that we no longer have to fear death. We don't have to live purposeless lives, but instead you give us a reason to live. You give us a purpose. You give us hope for eternity. Lord, there are so many temporal blessings we experience during Christmas as well with family and friends and traditions and special songs and all kinds of special things, and we thank you for these. Lord, we do recognize that Christmas can be a challenging time as well. We know that there are those even here in our midst today who are grieving right now, for whom the Christmas season is a time of sorrow, a time of sadness, and we pray for your comfort for those who are struggling during this Christmas season. And Lord, now as we turn to John chapter 1, I pray that you will give us insight into how we can prepare ourselves for what Jesus wants to do in our lives through Christmas and beyond. We pray these things in his name. Amen. I invite you to follow along in your Bibles as I read John chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. It says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only 
as a witness to the light. And so these verses are talking about John the Baptist. I want to make a clarification before we go farther in this, that today we are referencing two different men named John. First of all, the book of the Bible that we are reading is called John, and it's named after John the Apostle, who is one of Jesus' 12 disciples. But there's another John, a different John, that we know as John the Baptist. He is the one that we are mainly focusing on today. And verse 6, since, verse six says that he was sent from God. This is a reference to the fact that he was a prophet. A prophet is God's mouthpiece delivering God's message to the world. Now, as we're talking about John the Baptist, you might be thinking, why are we talking about John the Baptist here? I mean, it's Christmas time. Shouldn't we be talking about Jesus, not John the Baptist? Well, it reminds me of a picture that I took about two weeks ago as we were decorating our house for Christmas, and I looked over at the coffee table and saw this. Do you see anything kind of weird in that picture? Yeah, you see Santa right there in the middle? Two Santas right in the middle of the nativity scene. And, and you know, Jesus is back there, but it's kind of like he's, he's back there, and then everyone is kind of centered around the two Santas. That's what my daughter Tehillah set up, and I just looked over there and couldn't help but snapping a picture of it. But, you know, you look at this, and you know the Santas do not belong in the story of Jesus' birth. And you may be thinking the same thing about John the Baptist of, you know what, it's about Jesus and maybe some angels and stuff, but everyone should be focused on Jesus. Why are we talking about John the Baptist here during Christmas time when we should be focused on Jesus? And we think, okay, you know what, to make this Christmas scene authentic, we need to get the Santas out of there. I fully agree with that. You probably do too. But John the Baptist, even though we may think, well, no, I don't really know how John the Baptist fits in the birth narrative of Jesus. John the Baptist does fit. We should get rid of the Santas. Do not get rid of John the Baptist from the story of Jesus' birth. Let me tell you why. Think, for instance, of Luke chapter 2. Luke 2 is the classic story of Jesus' birth. It contains uh, just those verses that are read so often around Christmas time. Things like, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken. Said a few verses later, Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David. Says there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. That's where all these verses come from. John, or not John, Luke chapter 2, the classic account of Jesus' birth. But do you know what Luke chapter 1 talks about? 50 verses, 5 0, 50 verses in Luke chapter 1 talk about John the Baptist especially his parents and his birth. Look at the chapter after Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 3, the entire chapter is about John the Baptist. So John the Baptist has a pretty significant priority around the birth of Jesus. Matthew and Mark and John give similar priority to John the Baptist, even here in the book of John. The first 18 verses are the prologue. But then the following 23 verses of John chapter 1 are about John the Baptist. So he had a big role in Jesus' life, in his birth time. Um, so the question is, what was John the Baptist's role? Well, look with me at verse 7. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. That light is referring to Jesus. So John came as a witness to testify about Jesus. 
Now, there are Old Testament prophecies, many of them telling about the coming of the Messiah. There are also Old Testament prophecies telling about a man who would come before the Messiah to prepare the way for him. For instance, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3 is one of the places where we see this. It's uh, the prophet Isaiah writing about 700 years before Jesus entered the world. Isaiah says, A voice of one calling, In the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Then, about 300, or about 400 uh, B.C., 400 years before the time of Christ, over in Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, God says, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Similarly, over in Malachi 4, verse 5, See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. So Elijah was an Old Testament prophet, and God is saying before the Messiah comes, Another prophet will come who is much like Elijah. Now let's jump ahead to Matthew chapter 11. It's Jesus uh, speaking here. Uh, the, the context says, beginning in verse 7 of Matthew 11, as John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in, in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see, a prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This was the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who, who will prepare your way before you. That's the quote out of Malachi 3, verse 1. A few verses later in verse 14, Jesus says, If you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come. So John the Baptist was sent in order to prepare the way for Jesus, the Messiah. Imagine with me that someone famous was coming to speak here in Port Washington. Maybe one of the early astronauts, maybe a former president, maybe a, a big-time professional athlete. We're a relatively small town, but imagine that, that a big-name, famous person was coming to Port Washington to speak. You can imagine there'd be a lot of preparation that would go into that. There would be a team of people organizing the details. You would have a publicist or, or marketer doing the advertising to get the word out there. You would then, when the event came, you would have an MC who would welcome everyone, who would introduce that big-name speaker. These would be all the different preparations that went in to the arrival and, and the event for this big-name speaker. And it was not unlike this for Jesus. It was God who was orchestrating all the details about this. But when God works, frequently he works through people. And John the Baptist was God's chosen person to prepare the way when it was time for Jesus to begin his ministry. John the Baptist was basically like the advertiser. He was like the, the MC introducing Jesus to the crowds. Now, how did he do this? He did it through baptizing and through preaching. Let's start with the baptizing part. John the Baptist is known for baptizing people. This is why he's called John the Baptist. And John baptized people as a form of repentance, as a symbolized way of saying that they are turning from their ways of darkness. They are turning back to God. It's preparing their heart for the coming of the Messiah. That is the baptizing part that John was doing. Baptizing 
to symbolize the repentance that they were supposed to be doing, turning from their sin, turning back to God to prepare them for Jesus. John the Baptist also preached. He preached a lot about repentance, but he also preached about Jesus. Remember, it said that he came as a witness to testify concerning that light. For instance, over in John chapter 1, verse 29, John sees uh, Jesus coming in the distance, and he says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He's testifying about Jesus. Down in verse 34 of John 1, John the Baptist says, I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. He's testifying about Jesus preparing the way for him. Remember, it says he came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Now, for John the Baptist in his ministry, there was a lot of hype around him. Crowds were flocking out to him. I mean, he was in the wilderness, but lots of people, including big-time leaders, were coming out to him. He was drawing a huge crowd. He was popular, but he didn't let all this go to his head. Instead, John the Baptist rejoiced in the greatness of Jesus. This is why down in verse 15 of John chapter 1, it says that John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Now back in that culture, many people probably assumed that John the Baptist was preeminent over Jesus because John the Baptist was a little bit older. John the Baptist had been in ministry a bit longer. On top of this, John the Baptist at first had more followers than Jesus had. So people may have assumed, well, John the Baptist is actually greater than Jesus is. But John said, no, 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 no. No, you need to understand something here. Jesus, even though he comes after me in ministry, he actually is greater than I am because he was before me. Now, what does this mean? It probably would have confused some of the people there. But John the Baptist understood the truth that's contained in John 1.1, where it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John the Baptist had at least an inkling that Jesus is more than just a human, more than just a prophet. He had some inkling that Jesus was the creator who became part of his creation. That's how Jesus was before John the Baptist. And, and this just caused John the Baptist to, one, be overwhelmed and overjoyed in Jesus' presence, but also very humble. For instance, over in verse 27 of John 1, John says, he is the one who comes after me, speaking of Jesus, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. You hear that humility there? In that culture, feet were dirty. And if, if, if you had sandals on your feet back in that culture, if you did not untie them yourself, the only person really who would be untying this is, is the lowliest of servants. But John the Baptist here is saying that I'm not even worthy of untying the sandals of Jesus' feet. And he's not, in saying that, he's not getting down on himself. Instead, he's just talking about the greatness of Jesus. He is, he's enthralled with the greatness of Jesus. Um, remember that story earlier? Where I was talking about a famous person who had come to Port Washington to speak and how you had an MC who's going to introduce them and then turn the microphone over to them to let them speak. Imagine that scenario if the MC was starting to introduce that famous person, but then rather than handing over the platform, instead 
you know, kind of began to share some of his own stories. So it's the MC up there talking, just kind of hogging the microphone, telling some stories maybe from childhood or some of the trials that are going on in his life right now, maybe getting on the soapbox about some, something he's really passionate about. And then at the very end, when he's finally done with the microphone, he hands it over, and that big-name person who everyone's come out to see only has a couple of minutes left to speak. That probably wouldn't go over very well, would it? No, that's not the role of an MC. Now, John the Baptist, he knew his role well. He was like a marketer for Jesus. He, he was like an MC for Jesus, introducing him to the crowds, getting everyone ready for Jesus. But he knew when it was time to get off the stage to let Jesus shine in the limelight. Jesus, or John, in, in John chapter 3, verse 30, he said, he, meaning Jesus, he must become greater and I must become less. John perfectly fulfilled the role to which God had called him. It was a role that was preparing the way for Jesus and exalting him. Now, I said earlier that we know quite well how to prepare for the typical Christmas activities. I mean, we do. Whether it's decorating for Christmas, whether it's making the special treats, getting the cards out there, buying gifts, we're, most of us are probably quite well versed in how to prepare for that part of Christmas. But the bigger question is how do we prepare our hearts for what Jesus wants to do in and through us? Because this is the key question of Christmas. How do we prepare our hearts for Jesus? Earlier we sang the song, Joy to the World, which says, Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. So how do we prepare our hearts for Jesus? And frankly, I think this is a much better question than asking, how do we prepare our hearts for Christmas? Because, you know, many people talk about, okay, I need to spiritually prepare myself to celebrate Christmas. And I think there is some validity to that. And there are any number of things you can do. You can light Advent candles like we do here at the church just to focus on spiritually preparing ourselves for the birth of Christ. You can do devotional readings at home that relate to Christmas. Any number of other things you can do. Sing, sing the Christmas songs, which are, are really nice. You can prepare for Christmas, but we have to understand that Jesus did not come just to be worshipped on one day of the year or one month of the year. Jesus' birth was amazing, but it was merely a means to the end. So what is the bigger picture of why Jesus came to this earth? He did not come. The Creator did not step into creation just to be worshipped on Christmas Day. Instead, he came to live a life uh, to teach, to die, to be resurrected. And it all um, was meant for the purpose of bringing us life. This is why in John 10.10, 10, Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. And so part of preparing our hearts for Christmas is recognizing that Jesus came to give us life. Life that is, is how God designed it in right relationship with him. And we understand that Jesus came not just to be worshipped as a baby, but to give us life. We understand that the question is not just how do we prepare our hearts to celebrate Christmas, but how do we prepare our hearts for what Jesus wants to do in and through us through our whole lives. Because life is not merely a day to celebrate. Life is, is day in, day out. Um, that, that doesn't end on December 25th. Instead, it extends on into January, February, March, April, May, June, July, and on and on for the rest of our lives on this earth. That is what Jesus wants to impact. 
And so my prayer for us, and what I believe Jesus would want for us as well, is that as we are looking at this Christmas season, that we are asking, Jesus, what do you want to do in my life? Not just how do I well up the sentimental emotions and the enthusiasm to worship you because of your birth, but how do I live the life that you are calling me to live? And for this question, I think that the ministry of John the Baptist is especially helpful. You remember the theme of John the Baptist's ministry? It wasn't just ministering. It wasn't just preaching. big part of it was Jesus. But the primary theme of John the Baptist's ministry was the call to repent. For instance, over in Matthew chapter 2, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 3, we see John the Baptist. It says, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. So what's the call to repent? Jesus, when he came on the scene, said basically the same type of thing. Mark chapter 1, verse 15, Jesus said, the time has come. That's meaning, you know what? You all have been waiting for centuries for the Messiah to come. The time is now, Jesus is saying. He says, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. It's the same call to repent and to believe the good news of what Jesus is doing. And so we have to understand that repentance basically is doing a U-turn. It's that when we recognize that we are straying from God, whether it's with our whole lives or whether it's just with one part of us, attitude, action, um, words, that we repent. We do a U-turn. We come to that point of surrender of saying, God, not my will, but yours be done. That's what repentance is. And that needs to be a daily repentance and a daily surrender to God. So this is the other aspect of preparing our hearts for Jesus. Turn it into God in daily repentance and daily surrender. So let me just ask a few questions that relate to preparing our hearts, not just for Christmas, but for what Jesus wants to do in and through us through the rest of our lives. Do you find yourself holding tightly to your money, your schedule, your popularity, or your dreams? You know, to prepare your heart for the fullness of what Jesus has for you, it's vital to repent and to surrender to him. Is there an ugly attitude that keeps rearing its head in your life? Maybe bitterness, anger, pride, selfishness, or greed. To prepare for the fullness of what Jesus has for you, it is vital to repent and surrender to him. Is there a sin in your life that you secretly enjoy and want to keep in the darkness? You know, to prepare your heart for the fullness of what Jesus has for you, it's vital to surrender that sin to God, to bring it out into the light. And to repent. Are you giving the best of your emotional energy to something besides God and your family? Maybe it's the Green Bay Packers. Maybe it's your hobbies. Maybe it's your work. To prepare your heart for the fullness of what Jesus has for you, it's vital to repent and surrender to Him. You now, we've been talking about Jesus being the light of the world. I want you to imagine with me that we are stuck in a cave, a deep, dark cave. I don't really know how we got there, but we got there, and we don't know how to find our way out. And we don't have any lights that are left either. They all burned out. They, the batteries died, whatever. We're stuck in this deep, dark cave. We've tried to get out for a while. We can't get out. That's an analogy of what it's like for us as humanity in our sin, that we are stuck in darkness. We cannot get out ourselves. But Jesus gives us hope. 
because Jesus is the light of the world. So he comes down into that cave with his light. He knows the way out, and he has come down to rescue us. Now the question is, will we follow him out of that cave back to where we are supposed to be, up on the surface with family, with friends, with vitality that we are supposed to have rather than living down in the darkness? You know, in order to, to get out of that cave, we have to follow Jesus. We have to surrender ourselves to his leading. Now, maybe we're following him for a little while and we're like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Let's go see what's over there. And Jesus keeps on going his direction. We have a choice to make. Well, yeah, we can go over there, but then we're going to be out in darkness again. Or we can allow ourselves to be surrendered to Jesus following where he leads. If he goes one direction, we go that direction. If he goes a different direction, we keep following him. That's what it looks like to live a life of faith and obedience and repentance is rather than going our own way, we repent and surrender to him following his lead. And as we do that, he leads us to life because he is the light of the world. He says, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the question for us this Christmas, I mean, it's not just a Christmas question, it's a general question all of life, is are we willing to come to that point of, of daily repentance and surrendering to God? Because as we do so, that is how we experience the true life that he has for us. And you know what the really cool thing is that this is not drudgery. Instead, it leads us to life. Think of Luke chapter 2, where the angel came and said, Behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For today in the town of David, a child has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. It's good news of great joy. This Savior has been born, a Savior who will lead us out of darkness into life. The call for us is to follow him. And so John the Baptist, he was preparing people, preparing their hearts to receive Jesus and follow him. And we need that same preparation in our lives. And so the question is not how do we prepare for Christmas, even though that's a part of it. But the bigger, more important question is how do we prepare our hearts for Jesus? Earlier we sang the song, Come That Long Expected Jesus. It has the words, Jesus was born to reign in us forever. That's why he came, to reign in us, to give us new life. And we can't have that apart for him. Now, as I look at Christmas and I think about all the different traditions that we have and all the different activities, and I, I truly hope that we enjoy this Christmas. Because there are a lot of just blessings that we can enjoy. I mean, personally, I, I love Christmas music. I love Christmas decorations, whether in church or whether at home. I think of all the fun activities. I mean, you probably have activities with family and friends, parties, stuff like that, that can be very enjoyable. I, I hope that we truly enjoy these things. I think about stuff here at church. I'm, I'm looking forward to the birthday party for Jesus next week. I'm the one organizing this trivia game. I did this a few years ago. I had a ton of fun with it. Learned some good things about it, too, to make it even better. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to caroling in the potluck next week. Personally, I'm looking forward to a Christmas party at our house on Friday. We have, a, um, we, we have an open invitation to young adults, families here in the church. Um, once a month, to come to our house for a potluck. We usually have a pretty good-sized group there for that, just potluck and social night. We have a Christmas party this Friday. At last I heard, we had 64 people RSVP'd for it. 
It's a sizable Christmas party. Most of them are from the church, some from outside in the broader community, which is really, really cool. I'm excited for things like this. These are good things. I hope that we genuinely enjoy all these typical activities and traditions of Christmas. They are good. I pray that in the midst of all these good things, that we will not lose sight of the most important thing. Because all these other things, they require a lot of time and attention in terms of the preparation for those things. But I pray that we'll also be preparing ourselves for Jesus and the work that he wants to do in and through us, not only during this Christmas season, but beyond as well. I want to close us this morning with a couple of verses that come from Luke chapter 1. Remember, Luke 2 is the birth account of Jesus. Luke 1 is the birth account of John the Baptist. And John the Baptist had a father named Zechariah, a mother named Elizabeth. It was a pretty amazing story in how John uh, was conceived, how he was born. Zechariah, John the Baptist's father, was a priest, a man who loved God very deeply. And as a result of God's work through Zechariah and Elizabeth in bringing John the Baptist into the world, Zechariah sang a song. He created this song. Let me read for you the ending of it. He's singing it about John the Baptist, his his son. He says, And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. Jesus is the light of the world. He came to give us life and peace and joy and hope. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you 